0: First Timothy, so keep your hand up. First Timothy, we're at the end of chapter 3, and we'll get there in a moment. Uh, Christmas gifts. We got an early one this year. Last Sunday, how many of you were here? We prayed for a, a sister church of ours, Rehope. That's in Belfast, Ireland. Some of you remember, and you've been praying. Thank you for doing that. And uh, I got a text from Josh, one of their leaders, this week. They got their Christmas miracle. Yes. And... Uh, they w- were in a lease space that was done at the end of the year. They've been looking, looking, didn't find anything. This week, they have a place to meet every Sunday that's kind of like us, Sunday only, and a separate space that is killer for their offices and classes and midweek things. It all got signed this week, and so we're just, we're, we're rejoicing. Yeah, we should, and, uh, and you gave towards that. We, we sent funding because knowing they're going to have some upstart costs, so Uh, We don't even rejoice in the goodness of God there, but we rejoice in the goodness of God in your life. For living generous, it frees us up to be able to do this Jesus kind of stuff. We're going to pray. We're going to look at 1 Timothy 3, and then you're going to do your last-minute shopping. All right. (laughs) They're like, oh, shoot. You can, while I'm talking, you can totally do your shopping online. (laughs) Jesus is watching. All right. You ready? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for a day that we can rejoice and celebrate with family, brothers and sisters. We belong to you. Biology doesn't connect us, but you connect us. And so, Lord, we thank you for the season where we can stop. We can remember all that you've done, King Jesus, how you humbled yourself and were even born into this world just like us so that you could be facing everything every temptation just like us so that you can provide the solution that we don't have and that we can live in you. So thank you, Jesus. And we remember you this Christmas, even while most people don't even care. We do. We're here to worship you. Now teach us and help us to see what we don't see yet about how beautiful you are. In Jesus' name, 26 West Church says, Amen. 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 Okay, so we have been looking in our series called Learning to Lead over the last three weeks on how, as Jesus followers, we lead in team. The goal of the series is that you and I will grow. God wants to grow you. He's already put things in your life, but he wants to grow those things and that you will be an influencer, not for personal pride, but because Jesus matters and following him matters. So in the world that we live in, in the workplace, in the neighborhood, in schools, wouldn't it be great if those who follow Jesus rose up and that others would want to follow us as we follow Jesus? Not that you're better, but that because Jesus is changing you, people would want to live in that kind of transformed way. And that's the goal of the series. We've been looking For three weeks now about how we do it in teams. So men and women, their complementary roles, everyone valuable working together. Elders and deacons, different offices in the church, groups that help empower you. The reason that there are leaders in the church is not to do work for you, but to identify you and the work God's called you to do. And so you should leave more empowered because the leaders in the church are praying and finding ways to activate Jesus in you. Why? Everyone has the Holy Spirit everyone is gifted everyone contributes and when we work in a fitting way that's been the theme when families fit together when businesses fit together when friends fit together and everyone does their part people go wow this is amazing and in the same thing with the church people are interested when we fit together well and say like man is there a place for me and obviously the answer is yes now We've been looking at that, which is the weirdest Christmas series humanly possible, and I recognize that. Everyone else is is doing an Advent series, but it's interesting. As we look at how we live in a fitting way, we're going to come to verses 14 through 16, which happened to be Paul zooming out. He's been looking at the church in detail, and now he zooms out and he looks at Jesus. This is a setup for tomorrow night. I'll give most of the message today. I'll finish it tomorrow night as part of our singing together. Okay, let's just read it. 1 Timothy 3, verses 14 to 16. Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. And then he quotes a song. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated in the spirit. He was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. And then the, the chapter ends. And so what I want us to do is many of us when we read the Bible don't realize sometimes when there's an inset, there's, there's often a quote. It's the way our like uh, typesetters and publishing houses let you know that there's something in there. And so as we're getting ready to sing Christmas songs, which, by the way, are truth vocalized. We're not just singing songs to sing songs, and there won't be any reindeer songs. I hope not. We should cut them. But, but it's, it's truth that you ever hear something that's right and true, but then you hear it in a song, and like it hits the soul. In the same way, when you're in the first century, they don't have a Bible. No one had a personal Bible, and the New Testament wasn't written yet. So how did this truth go out? Well, early on, people put these truth-filled lines together. And they would come together and when they would worship. They would sing out these truths. And Paul gives us one of the early ones. It's not the whole song, but he gives us a little clip. And as we make our way to sing, I want us to answer two questions that have to do with the holiday, but really have to do with every day and have to do with your life and my life. Two questions we want to look at this morning. The first hits in the text. Why church? He keeps talking about like hey, I'm going to show up to you guys, but until you until I get there, here's what I want you to know. And here's what the church is. Now, church buildings are going to be filled like never before this weekend, today and tomorrow. It's a little lighter this morning because everyone's at their parents' church because many are doing Christmas on Sunday, but we're a little overkill. We believe in double dipping, so we're gonna do it two days in a row, right? But you will bring other people tomorrow, and that's just the way it is. It's like the Super Bowl and the World Series of church. You know, Christmas and New Year are these two high points, and if you wanna get excited as a leader, you just preach on those days and like, wow, this is amazing, and then the next week, the drop-off. Why? Why do people come? Why is it? Well, I don't think it's to worship Jesus, honestly. I think it's because it's become a part of this culture of like celebration. And so when we think of Christmas, we need to remember that most of our culture sees it as shopping, sees it as gift-giving, sees it as party-going, sees it as family memories, sees it as extended dinners, sees it as arguments in the car as you leave the party going home, sees it as you're like... It's, it's And for those of us who are sports interested, like it's a lot of college football between now and the end of the year and all that. Amen. Okay, there you go. Um, then Is Christmas about making memories? Well, I think all of those things are really cool if they find their place. When those become the primary thing, we get in trouble. They have their spot. If you're about to have like your big family reunion, fantastic. But we want to ask ourselves, why church? Now, many people make it a part of their holiday, but it's not the central part. And I think that's why we're here. I want to remind you this morning, as we move towards tomorrow, church matters. This isn't just a random weekly act to fill space and make us feel good. This really matters. And as a matter of fact, it's Paul's imagery that's going to get us ready to belt it out tomorrow. And tomorrow, when we say, everyone sing, I don't care if you're terrible, belt it out. Because it's truth lived out. It's truth expressed. So I'll talk today, and you do the singing tomorrow. Church matters. How's the church described? Let's just look at verse 15. A couple of visuals in here, and I'm a visual learner. How many visual learners? Uh, you could talk about it all day. I'm like, I don't get it. You show me a picture like, wow. Everyone knows here, if you're going to show something, I need to see it in visual form. Well, we get it. Verse 15. If I'm delayed, you'll know how people ought to conduct themselves in, and look at this little visual. God's household. God's household. You see, churches meet in buildings, but we're not a building. I'm not going to church. I'm going to where the church meets, which is why I love being here. I love that we don't have our own building that's unused most of the time. I love that this is an event center. It reminds us every week we come here that we had to make this environment happen. We are the church that happens to meet in homes and buildings, and it's just like your house. Like, what is your family? Is your family your address? No, your family are the series of relationships that frustrate you and bless you. Family is about a set of relationships that matter. And the church is God's, catch this, web of relationships that matter you and I, if you belong to Jesus and I belong to Jesus, we're a part of this beautiful thing called the church. And because of trusting in Jesus, we're invited now into not just 26 West, we're invited to God's household. This is the point of Christmas, is that everyone is invited, no matter what baggage you have or baggage you're bringing or baggage you can't let go of, no matter your background, you've been invited by the Father, God himself, into this web of relationships that are life transforming where God leads and guess what? God gives all of these people in this family these gifts, these abilities to build one another up and we're all pointing Godward and we know in the end we are going to look like Jesus. You, if you are following Jesus, I can guarantee you this, in eternity you will look like Jesus. You will talk like Jesus, God right now through his household, is preparing us. We are more and more learning to live like Jesus because we're going to look like him in the future. So this is not just any set of relationships. Why is church so important? Because it belongs to God. It's his household. Well, here's another visual. If that one wasn't cool enough, look at the second one. God's household, which is the church of the living God, living God. The scriptures describe God, especially in the first part in the Old Testament, for some reason you see the phrase, the living God, the true and living God. Well, what makes that important? Yahweh is his name. That's the name he gave to us. He created all things. And wherever there are people, there are opinions. Have you found that to be true? Wherever there are people, there are opinions. And so throughout history, there have been people just like us who live before us, who were wondering how am I supposed to live my life and who's leading my life and where do I gain my values and where do I gain my set of ethics and what am I going towards, who am I living for? And it's uh, we would use phrases like spirituality or religion or whatever else you want to use. And here you have like, why is the church important? Because we're God's house. We belong to him. And we're also following, we're the church of the living God, which tells me, There are other options, but not all other options are life-giving. And this is where we need to be brutally honest. Christmas is so important because it reminds us that if we want to live the life that God intended, we need God. He's the living God. He's the creator God. He made it all. He runs it all. He deserves it all. And we, in holidays like this, should be reminding ourselves, is my life being lived in light of the God who made me? Am I honoring him? Am I looking to him? Do I see him as important? He is the living God. And it also ought to remind us that every other option, if he's the living God, what is every other option? It's the antithesis. Less than living. Not life giving. By the way, Christmas is a reminder you are not God. And I'm not God. And when I take God's place, which is Most Americans' spirituality, I'm the center, I say what's right and true, and I live in a way that pleases me, and I hope you can deal with it. That's American spirituality. So I I cherry pick, I take what I want, and if anything contradicts what I think to be true, I don't know if it's true, because what's true for me is true for me. And if you want truth that's true for you, fantastic, which is great, yet intellectually dishonest. I am breathing right now. Is that true? True. I'm breathing oxygen right now, which is keeping me alive. Is that true? What if you said you had a different opinion? There are things that are absolutely true. Now there are things that are subjective. What should you have for lunch? Where should you eat? You go to the east side of Portland. You got so many options. I mean, is it is it pork? No. Is it kubo? Is it what you know? Is it pock pock? What 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 is it? What are you going to eat? Well. Yeah, there are secondary opinions. I'm not saying everything is concrete, but there are things that are absolutely true. And here's the absolutely true thing that you need to remember. And Christmas reminds us of God is living. He's the living God. And so if you have him, you have life. So when you become the center, it doesn't work. When work becomes the center, it doesn't work. If your whole The rest of your life is about gaining and being and becoming and climbing and attaining and all of that. That is a terrible God. Because by the way, when you leave that job or you leave that company, which eventually you will, you'll die anyway. But when you eventually leave, guess what? You will not be remembered. 50 years from now, they're not going to remember you. You'll be replaced probably in a week maybe two if you're really gifted. And you make it a plaque, and there may be some like company history where you factored in there somewhere, but we make things that are God that are not living. And Christmas is the reminder, why would you do that when you have the living God? And this is where Jesus fits in beautifully. Jesus is the living God. You see, God gives life through his Son, and this is what we celebrate. He gives his life Through his son, Jesus Christ. So the Bible can say, if you have the son of God, you have life. If you do not have the son of God, you do not have life." life. That sounds arrogant. It's not arrogant. It's humbly beautiful. God's actually shown us the path to life. The path to life is to follow the living God. And we can in Jesus. Now, not everyone knows that. and Here's why I'm getting all antsy about it. Not everyone knows that. Why is the church here? It's because not everyone knows there's a living God, because not everyone believes there's a living God. And there are people, honestly, who would love to know the living God, but they don't know they're invited. They don't know that they're invited into God's household, and anyone is welcome, and everyone is welcome. Now, our families are dysfunctional, but God's family is not. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the triune God, is perfect. And yeah, we come to family gatherings in the holiday times and we get some good taste and some tense moments, you know? So when I say family in God's household, that could be a little trigger like, uh, mine is like barely bearable. But when you come to the living God, what you get is life and freedom and joy, which is a beautiful visual. Now, This reminds us we're made for Jesus. We were made for the living God. We were made for his household. And we were made to let people know how beautiful Jesus is. To me, those are the two cornerstones of what a church is. This is why church is so important. And by the way, we take it for granted. Gosh, we take it for granted, don't we? You may not be a fan of institutional church, whatever that is, organized church, whatever that is. Let me tell you, you would would be missing something without it. I'm just going to use an example. The analogy breaks down, but just hear me. What if I took away your running water? Do you know you take your running water for granted? I travel all around the world where I drink bottled water only because I can't even brush my teeth in the tap water because it's so dirty. Do you know many in the world have to go to a dirty well or a muddy river to get water and double boil it, still hoping it, it gets most of the infection away? And you and I just turn on the tap. You turn on the tap, and you don't even think about it. We leave on the tap. We don't even think about it. And I want to suggest the same thing about the church. We forget about the influence of God's people in our culture. We have been placed here to help people see that there's life. And so many, we just t- we, we take the church for granted, like we take running water for granted. But if you take the influence of the church out of a culture, the culture is in trouble, my friend. Because there is a life in God, and when we're proclaiming the words of life, it's a blessing even to people who don't believe it yet. That's a rabbit trail. All right, God's household, which is the Church of the Living God, and I want you to look at this other visual. Again, I'm the visual learner, so this is one of those fun weekends. The pillar and the foundation of truth. Now, what does the church do? Why is church important? Because because we're proclaiming this words of life. What does the church do? Pillar and foundation. I'm going to throw up a slide of a temple. This is a, 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 a mimic of what the temple to Artemis or Diana in Ephesus looked like. Remember, Paul's writing a real letter to a real church. And so this is actually in Turkey now, but this is what they think it looked like at one point. And inside, what you don't see are, is a foundational structure. And on the outside, you see pillars and, and Paul's using, he's writing to a church who sees this, right? And he says, here's what you are. By the way, when he's writing to them, they don't have any buildings. They're meeting in homes. 10, 20, 30 people. They have no financial base. They're a fledgling little Jesus community. And you know what he says about them and what he says about you? You together are God's house. Now, there were temples to worship all over Ephesus that were beautiful. I mean, this is gorgeous, and it's ornate, and you want to go there. Why would I go to your house when I can go to this and worship God? And he says, no, no, no. This is why church is so important. You together are God's pillar and supporting foundation. Now, when you say foundation here, he's not talking about the ground like concrete or anything or marble. He's talking about a truss. On the inside, those of you construction people, I actually had to look this up because I don't know this stuff. But there are trushes, trusses, there are beams that hold the walls together, right? That keep the structure from imploding or falling out. And he says, what is the church to the world? It's like this supporting foundation, The picture here is not cement that we're built on. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the the floor, so to speak, that we build our life on. But we're supporting the whole structure. Why does church matter? Here's why. Truth matters. Notice what he says here. Church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Church is important because we follow Jesus, who's the way, the truth, and the life. And what we get to do in the culture that we live in, and I'm talking about not Sunday morning, this is great to get you prepared to go out. But in the real world of your neighborhood, or your circle of friends, or where you go to school, you are a trust, which is a terrible visual, ladies, I'm so sorry. Like you're, for guys, like, yeah, I'm like, ugh. But you're you're a foundation that can help hold the truth together when people are are going off and doing things that are outside of the scope of loving God, you can be a supporting foundation to lovingly, hear me, lovingly speak the truth. When people are looking for things to build their life on, you and I can be there to model, not just talk, to model a way of living out the truth of God so that people can see what a structured, orderly, not perfect what growing and thriving life is like. The truth matters and truth changes people. Just like I said before, people don't want to admit those objective truth in our subjective world. It's just not intellectually honest. There are core things like you are alive and you will die. That is true. And so how do we live in light of, not everything is that like solid, There are opinions about secondary things. How do we live in light of the realities that life is a gift and life is temporary, but life is eternal? That's a scary one. You are made for forever. You and I get to live in light of Jesus and show the world that there is truth that they can live their life on. We're also, by the way, we don't create the truth. It's a misnomer, oh, you, you Christians are all, you are trying to tell me how to live. No, 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 all we do is pass on what we've heard from God himself through Jesus. We're, we're not claiming that we made, made any of these truths to be real. All we're saying is we've discovered there was a mystery that was once mysterious to us, but now it's been revealed, and God's made himself known, and you can know him too. Second thing is we're a pillar, which is a fascinating picture. You look at an empty slide. You look at those, the photo that was there, and there are these pillars. What's the goal of a pillar? This is a trick question. The foundation is keeping the building together. You know what the pillars do? They hold high the roof. This is beautiful. You and I, when we look at these pictures, we're thinking about what we are as a church. We're holding high the truth, which is Jesus. Wherever we go, we're not pointing to us. And goodness gracious, we're not pointing to 26 West. We're pointing to Jesus. And we're saying, and and, in Ephesus, on the hill, from wherever you are, you can see. You can see the place. You want to go and meet with the gods? You go there. Where do people go? to find healing when they're really, really hurt. A therapist, that's a good thing, limited in scope. Books, those are good things, um, but they're limited in scope, if it's not the word of God. To people, to relationship, people are looking for things to latch their life onto. And I'm just reminding you, you already know this, but I'm reminding you, Christmas is one of those markers for us on the calendar that says, we are pillars, God's truth is real, and we're holding it up, and we're holding high Jesus, which speaks to our double calling as a church. Catch this. We hold on to Jesus who is the truth. Now that's a foundation that's going to keep false teaching from creeping in and ruining our lives. Which is why Paul writes the letter in the first place. There are people with other ideas that are not in line with God's way. And there are all sorts of opinions in life about how you could live it and what is going to cause you to thrive. And I'm here to remind you, if we live our life not just on a book. This is not a book in that, in that sense of the term. It's what God has revealed about himself. It happens to be in the Bible. If we'll learn to build our life on that, then we can not only support our own thriving, but we can be a voice to those who are looking for a place to thrive as well. We hold on to Jesus, and we hold high the good news of Jesus. It's why we talk about this good news, and I know it gets a little tiresome. Jose, you gonna do that whole gospel thing? Yep, yeah, this good news. What's the good news? The good news that God created us to be with him and that we have chosen to do our own thing, which is rebellion and sin but God in his love invites us back and not only says hey I'm over here come find me but rather he comes to us in Jesus who is incarnated in flesh God takes on human flesh and he knows exactly what we're going through and he knows the path to thriving he is the truth just look to Jesus Jesus always does what honors God the father and you and I by the way can as well We won't always, but we can because God has not only given us Himself in the coming of His Son, He's given us the model to what it means to live and love like Jesus. And so, you and I, we're not perfect, so let's not kid ourselves. We're pillars, we're foundations, and sometimes we mess it up. We're selfish, we're arrogant, we're uncaring, we could be hypocritical, we're not perfect. We're not perfect, but hear me, Jesus is. And in that sense, the church has a perfect message. Now, we're not perfect messengers, but the church's message is always on time and it's always right because it's, it's Jesus, which on a rabbit trail is why I don't speak negatively about the church. Now, there's a goofball here and there. We call it out. And if I'm a goofball, you should call me out. And we do like moan, like I can't believe we did this, right? And I throw the we in there because maybe I didn't do it today. Maybe they did it today maybe I'll do it tomorrow. But we don't talk negatively about the church because at its core, church is people that belong to Jesus. And by the way, Jesus died and gave his life for this community. And Jesus leads it now. And Jesus is coming back to rescue it. And for all eternity, this community is going to live with him and rule with him and serve with him and honor him. So I don't think we have the right to throw out the church. People want Maybe Jesus' message without Jesus' church. And hear me, I'm going to use the word impossible. It is impossible. Say it with me impossible. Imp- it is impossible to follow Jesus without the church. Well, I, I don't know. Don't put that shackle on me. I'm not saying every local expression is as Jesus honoring as it can be. And none of us are perfect. But how in the world would you have even heard the good news if it weren't for the church? You wouldn't have any good news. And if you. If you join God's family, oh, family are connected and part of his, another metaphor, body. How in the world can you follow Jesus? Can a heart just live as a heart? Disconnected from everything else? No. And in the same way, we need to humble ourselves and say, in this imperfect world, with this imperfect church, my friend, we need each other. Oh, another rabbit trail. How does God grow you through the church? as the body functions in all of its parts, with the source being the head, Jesus. We honor God when we're connected to Jesus and connected to each other, so it is impossible. Friends, don't give up on church. Now, I'm not gonna say it tomorrow night because it's gonna seem weird when you're, you invite your friends, but I'm saying to you that are here on Sunday, don't give up on church. Don't give up on the local church. Don't give up on the local church that you know. Don't give up on the imperfect, filled with people that you don't necessarily like, local church. Don't give up, because this is God's solution, which brings us to Christmas. Okay, all that was why, church. That was the long part. I'm going to finish the why, Christmas tomorrow, and um, but we'll start it now. Why, Christmas. Paul ends the section with a song. Okay, so we'll start the song, and then we'll actually sing songs tomorrow. Remember, people don't own their Bibles, so... They're singing the truth, and this is how they knew it. And let's just look at the contrast. There's three sets of contrasts, and we'll just look at them real quickly, and hopefully it will stir you to want to worship Jesus this morning and every day. Verse 16, beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. So Christmas, as we get to the song, is is the mystery of godliness, Okay? Now, mystery here isn't like you'll never know it. Mystery in the Bible means most often, and definitely here, what was once hidden that now has been made known. So here is the what people didn't know 200 years before Jesus, but now because of Jesus, everyone should know message about how to live in right standing with God. That was the long version of the mystery of godliness. Ultimately, it's, it's Jesus Because, think about it, Jesus is the person from whom true godliness springs. And here's the song about Jesus. What do we see? Look look at the first line. He appeared in the flesh and was vindicated by the Spirit. The contrast here is flesh and Spirit. What the song is going to do is to propel you that Jesus is alone to be worshipped and is the message everyone needs to hear. Flesh and Spirit. So what do you get? Jesus was born real flesh and blood. He took on Human, a human body. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He had real blood in his veins. He was fully human. He lived a real life with real temptation and real struggle, and he really honored God as a man. And we need to remember that. How do you know this ethereal God who created the universe who now lives out past Pluto, which used to be a planet? How do I know this God? No, well, wait a minute. This God is here. This God is here. You look at Jesus. Like really, real town, Bethlehem. Flesh and blood. God walked this earth. But he's not just a man. Notice, he appeared in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit. He's also God. It reminds us of the human and the divine work of Jesus. He's not just a man, which many people want to do. They want to make him a nice moral philosopher along with Plato and Socrates and Aristotle and Gandhi and everyone else. And he's just one of the many voices in human history. And he's lasted a long time because people copied his message and he had great things. And so great things sometimes work, sometimes they don't. And the church is hypocritical and I don't know if I should listen to any of it. No, he is the God man. He's not just a moral teacher. Christmas and Easter are central to the Christian faith because they remind us of why God sent his son in the first place. And so God created us to be with him and we've ruined it, but God in his son Jesus has made the path to life. So anyone who receives him, but to all who receive him, to those who call on his name, he gives the right to become second class citizens who may get to heaven someday. No. He gives the right to become children of God. Not born of human Hands are understanding, but born of God. New heart, new life, new person, new family, new destination. This is ridiculously good news. It's why we talk about it all the time. It never gets old. Or at least it shouldn't. We shouldn't get so comfortable with running water that we forget what a gift it is. And we shouldn't get so comfortable with the good news that we forget How good it is. Jesus paid our debt in full. So you need to combine. Don't just come to church once a year. Come twice a year. Christmas and Easter. Because the whole story is not just of of his humanity. And he was born. And he lived and he grew. But it was his purpose. He came to rescue us. As a human he could stand in my place and pay my debt for my sin. He can do that for me. As God he is able to save. And he's risen. And he's alive. And he's Lord And that's what the song is about. Look at the second line. Was seen by the angels. Was preached among the nations. The contrast between angels and nations. It's between what's seen and unseen. So he's flesh and he's spirit. He's God. And his message is not just a message that's, let's caught in a corner. It's to those who are seen and unseen. The risen, exalted Jesus is the center of conversation in the universe. And so the angels know about what God has done and humans know. So it means we should share it everywhere. This should be the message that's on our lips, not just on holidays. It's the central message that should guide our lives. Jesus is for everyone, everybody. The angels and all of the world should know this. And then the third line, was believed on in the world and taken up in glory. Again, the contrast between world and glory. He's, he's here, and yet he's not here. Jesus is, is risen, and since his death and resurrection, Peter puts it this way, in Acts he was exalted to the right hand of God the Father. And the, the biblical writers realize he is seated in that great place. He is the king of the universe, and he's forever thinking and praying for you. I don't, I'm not a real praying person, Jose. Okay, we can grow on that. Here's the greater truth. God's praying for you. God is praying for you. Now, it's great to talk to him too. But God is thinking about you, and God is orchestrating events to get your Attention, and sometimes he can even use Santa Claus and his little reindeer and little red hat and belly and all the little fun stuff. He can even use that stuff to get your attention about how much he loves you. I'll say no more about Santa Claus because there's a kids in the room. All right, Um, he was believed on the world and taken up in glory. It means for us, what is he believed on and taken up? It means Our faith is secure. If I am a follower of Jesus, I don't have to wonder on Monday, am I accepted? Am I loved? Am I cared for? Well, Jose, I did this this week and I did that this week. Is there any hope for me? I don't have to worry. My position is absolutely secure because he Jesus himself is seated and waiting to come again. And his authority is that what I sit under. He's interceding for me. I don't have to worry about today. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I don't have to prove myself to him. God, if I now live for you for 30 years, maybe you'll let me in. No, I don't have to prove myself. He's proven himself to me. And now I just need to live in his love and follow his way. But my salvation is absolutely secure because Jesus is mighty. And he can save. So holidays can be helpful even holy. I'm for Christmas. I'm for Easter. I'm definitely for chocolate. So, you know, the next holiday is better than this one. But, but I, I'm, I'm for all that stuff. Because they point, they point to things that matter. So it could just be a celebration. For many people, it's just another family and a day off, you know, and a Christmas bonus, right? But for us, it could be holy. It could be moments to meet with God. But let me tell you, Christmas and Easter about, are about Jesus being the center and every day in between. Jesus is the center of the universe. Jesus is the center of God's story. And Jesus wants to be the center of your story. And then here's the mystery. We're gonna respond in worship. Here's the mystery. There's a manger scene. It's still in nativities and people don't worship Jesus. People say Mary or in Europe, they say happy Christmas. Um, but but Christ is in there and I'm not exaggerating, is completely overlooked. For us, it's happy as the day because Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, has come. That's what it means for us. But most of humanity says it and doesn't even think and that his name is in it. His title is in it and he's not the center and that's the mystery. But the good news is we are here and this is why we want to pull it together. The reason these days are beautiful is because Gaza has a church we are the church. So we can be for the world, salt and light. We can be there, and we can be pillars and foundations. We can lift up Jesus. It's why First Timothy, what we've just read here, is our song. This is our song. He was born flesh, yeah, but vindicated by the Spirit. He was here, yeah, but now he's risen and exalted. And he's for you, and he's for me. And because this song of Jesus coming to earth has been seen and proclaimed, he's the ruler over glory. It's why Christmas changes our lives. This really means something to us. And we are here. All right, today, because this is right and true, who can you bring tomorrow? Tomorrow we're just gonna sing these truth-filled songs. I'm gonna get it for 10 minutes and lay out the claims of how we can and why we should follow Jesus right now. But who who are you gonna bring? This is an opportunity for all of us to to be people who are not just experiencing Jesus' power and presence, but like pillars, lifting him up. Uh, You can text someone today. Come at 5.30 on the dot and grab a seat. And we can fill this place and see people follow him. Will we be the kind of church that doesn't shrink back, but stands up and proclaims the words of life at Christmas and every day. Well, we're going to worship and respond, and we're going to sing. But as we do it, let's just think about you for a moment. In a minute, we're going to stand up, and we're going to, we're going to sing these songs that are right and true. Are you following Jesus? Has this good news become good news to you? Well, if not, it can be good news to you now. Well, when does it become good news? When it becomes news that I receive, that I respond to. So what do we do in a situation like this? When we hear what's true, we live in light of it, Right? So the Bible's real clear. Anyone who turns to Jesus, turns to him, which means turning away from yourself, turning away from your own plan, turning away from other options, turns to Jesus. Those are the people that are rescued and trust. This is not a matter of doing more or being better or trying harder. It's a matter of recognizing that Jesus is more and better. And he's the only one who could save And this morning. If you choose to trust him, you can receive him. You can receive him now. And so I'm gonna invite you to stand up if you would as we prepare our hearts for Christmas and we sing these songs that are true, if you've not yet received this message as your only hope, as your only hope to be right with God, you can. We're gonna pray and you can respond by saying, Jesus, all this is true and I make it true in my own world. I follow you, I receive you. And then I want you to do something. Uh, As part of our response time, we have a prayer room. So you can go there for anything. You have a struggle, a burden. Something's happened this week or is troubling you in your own soul. At the end of every message, every weekend, we have men and women who are just like you, part of the church, who love you. And for quietness sake, we put the room right across the hall. So there's a little sign at that door and you just go to your right. And during any song or during during communion, just slip out and make your way. And across the hall is our office, some couches and a friend will be there to listen and pray. But if you're ready to receive him, especially this morning, I'm gonna invite you to pray with me now and then make your way and go to the prayer room and seal it by talking to someone this morning. You ready? Let's pray. And if you wanna receive him this morning, I invite you to do it as simply and as quickly as connecting your words with your heart, with what you believe to be true. And say just something like this, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died and rose again to take away my sin and my shame. Jesus, I receive your gift as my only hope of life with the Father. Now help me, Lord Jesus, to follow you day by day. Thank you. Amen. Lord, we, we lift these prayers up to you because we know that you're not far, you're close. And now we sing these songs to you in response because we know that you're not far, but you're close. Lord, be lifted up as these songs are lifted up to you. You're worthy of all of our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometime during this response and singing, I invite you, especially if you chose to follow Jesus.